I'm sitting, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about circling back to the storytelling via corn. And I, I sort of feel like as its own genre, and maybe this merits its own podcast, but like corn as a storytelling element or as like a tool for storytelling, corn mm-hmm. as a platform for storytelling. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, might be worth exploring more. One other place that jumps out to me immediately is in Interstellar. They're, you know, working on saving this. They're talking about how it might be the last harvest, whatever. And they're fighting to keep these monoculture crops as opposed to adapting farming strategies. And that's so kind of unexamined in the story. And it also never really resolves Mm -hmm. once you're in the big O'Neill cylinders toward the end of the movie. Sorry, spoilers, I guess. (laughs) Um, You know, you're looking around and it feels like they're trying to capture this little slice of Americana Mm -hmm. in the O'Neill cylinder communities or whatever. And it's totally unclear how things actually work, but it's certainly they're not like revisiting any kind of the potentially destructive or unsustainable practices that they had established on Earth. So, you know, it was just there and then it was never really explored later on. It was used as this establishing element, but... You can tell things are back to normal because we're doing this thing, but in space now. Yep. And yeah. So there's a Peter Drucker quote that a farmer friend of mine, Chris Sayers, shout out to Chris Sayers, avocado and lemon farmer in Oxnard, California, (laughs) pulled out. He was like, there's no point in getting better at things you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Yeah. And I guess if you choose to look at a story through that kind of a lens of, say, Interstellar, the version of it is we don't need to get better at anything. We just need to find new places to do it. Mm hmm. You hit on something there. Yeah, just the, how agrarianism is kind of pulled out and you have people colonizing space and all this stuff. And at the same time, yeah, I have a lot of questions about like who gets land and why in, in the Federation universe, because we've got the Picard vineyard, right? We've got the Boimler vineyard, but we also have like Chakotay and his family having to go to a different planet to have somewhere to live. And of course, they wind up on the Cardassian borderlands. And the question that we have is, is it moral to punch Cardassians and not why did we force people to the edge of Federation space for a place to live when they're they have a pretty good claim to being on this one planet, right? Yeah, they're holding up some kind of a mirror to current expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, how hard are we trying to convey that maybe life on Earth is just a lot more conservative and uh, people who aren't into that have to leave? <laughs> Could that be what's oh, happening? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. That's a little bit my vibe. Um, but that just may be like the baggage that I'm bringing into my viewing experience. Who's to say? Well, there's going back to the earlier thing that you brought up around, like, who's how does the land, who controls land? How does how do people access land in this universe? And if the land tenure system is defined by the people who can best put on an appearance of being the mythologized landed white gentry type of plugged into the earth, muddy work clothes, got to fix these sick vines farmer, then For as convenient as that is for the story that was being told, it's also in its own way bringing this sort of troubling set of troubling ideas into the one vehicle we have for collectively imagining a better future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like if you had a sci-fi show where you had like a younger professional farm manager, you know, farmer, roll up in a pickup truck, again, wearing athleisure because that's what you can actually move around and do jobs in, blasting Tupac, you would say like, what? This makes no sense. Except that's real. That's how a lot of farmers are, right? There's at least 
there's dozens of us. But like if you represented a farmer that way, then that would just confuse people because we're just determined that that's not what it looks like. And the more we kind of keep saying this is what a farmer looks like, then we get stuck in that rut. Well, I, you know, I've banded this idea around for a while of of having sort of oddly specific special focus venues for collecting stories about speculative futures because there's there are certain things that just never get as deeply investigated or explored as they ought to be because we're always looking for sort of those areas might be present these ideas might be present in stories we're telling about the future but they're never the focus or the feature because we're generally looking for these bigger ideas things that feel more pressing or more urgent but these get down into the the real actual fundamental day-to-days like if there were a, a journal that was just collecting short stories, science fiction stories about farm workers in the 24th century and exploring how that might look, what's a, a vision of a future where farm work is as idealized as possible? What are the possible range of different futures? And instead of it just showing up in this context of generally speaking, being used as a, a vehicle for telling a different story, make that why you're trying to build tools to collectively imagine better futures for this specific area that does need improving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of related to that. So big fields of corn, not totally a new thing that's happened before some of the, the earliest European explorers and like visitors and invaders in there reported, you know, I was up on horseback and it was corn as far as the eye could see. Right. So we're talking at least, you know, three square miles. Right. So it's not that growing large amounts of corn has never been done, shouldn't be done. But it's that, you know, those fields also had some beans and squash in them. There were lots of people around. When we show miles and miles of corn in sci-fi now, it's to convey an empty countryside, a place that's kind of an abandoned chic kind of thing. Whereas traditionally cornfields, like that's how you knew there were people there, right? Well, yeah. If you're going to walk into a cornfield a thousand years ago in the American Midwest, most likely that corn was being eaten by people. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you were to be dropped from a helicopter randomly, do your do the sort of figure out where you are type situation, and you find yourself amidst a cornfield, most likely that corn will never be eaten by a human, or mm-hmm. or if it is, it's already it's gone through one other animal first, mm-hmm. and so that's a huge difference, regardless of whether or not it comes out to. There's corn growing there, but what what's it doing? What's it displacing? And Who's it feeding? Yeah, which I think begs a really interesting question about our current economy that we really hate asking ourselves, which is, I feel like a lot of folks have caught on to our our food system feels like a giant grain disposal, right? We just grow a lot of grain and then we either chuck it into ethanol or we put it into animal feed. And I know a, a lot of folks have really caught on that this is wasteful. Why are we doing this the way? Why can't we seem to stop? So let me ask you this. If we stopped growing all that unnecessary corn, if we just like cut out the ethanol program, and we've talked about this, right? So for you, this is a rhetorical question. Um, <laughs> the best kind. Yeah. So if we cut out all these wasteful uses of corn and soybeans, what happens to the people who were growing it? And once you kind of start going down that rabbit hole, it becomes clear that the reason our food system looks the way it does is essentially because the United States conquered too much land. We stole too much land. And now people own it, and they're expecting to get some kind of value out of it. And we don't really have any answer for how to do that besides let's just grow a bunch of corn and soy and waste it. It is a land occupation program. So 
Once you kind of see that, if you fast forward hundreds of years into the future and it's still masses of corn and soy, it raises so many questions to me about what's really going on in this society. Who gets the land? Why? What are they doing with it? Why are we still doing this? That shot where we're coming up on the enterprise being built in a cornfield, there's like hundreds of years of, ah, that just comes out of me and it's great. <laughs>